Praise the Lord. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I, I yield to You for Your use. Your words are true, and I've found them to be delightful. Your Word is, in fact, the joy and rejoicing of my heart. I'm called by Your name. You are the Lord. You are the God of hosts. I ask, Father, that You would clear distractions. I thank You for keeping me in check. I ask also, Lord, that You would give me unction to speak whatever it is that we need to hear. We are going to look into Your Word for Your truth. I pray that You would open our ears, open our eyes, help us to hear what You want us to hear today. I pray in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. As I started to tell the children, all of us have some way of marking the things that we own, especially if we're with a bunch of other people, okay? You think about it, if you go on a camping trip and there's a bunch of other people, you put your name or you put something, some way to mark what it is that belongs to you, okay? You mark it because it's yours. Well, God does the same thing. And I know we started doing these things as we were children. Sometimes our parents would put our name in something, and we'd know that it was ours because our name was on it, right? I mean, how many of us remember that? I, I know I do. I don't you, but God marks His people, and His Word makes that clear. And I got to thinking as, uh, you know, because we've done this series of messages for a few weeks now. In fact, this is the eighth uh, part in the series. I didn't plan it to be that long. Sometimes series go longer than that, sometimes less, but... I thought about what's a positive way to wrap up the series of messages, because we've looked at some really difficult topics, some difficult subjects, and we may revisit this at another time, but we've looked at these tough things because we must know that there are, in fact, signs. You know, we started the, the series of messages by remembering that song that came out in 1970, and I was about, oh, let's see, uh, I was young, anyway. Um, and, and it was called Sign, Sign Everywhere, A Sign. And uh, I mistakenly said signs, signs everywhere, the signs. And, you know, the song goes into lyrics that talk about signs being everywhere. We've all grown up with signs. We've had to look at signs. We've had to review signs. We've had to learn signs because we learned to use a, a, a car or a pickup truck or something like that. We had to learn the signs. And the Word of God is full of signs. Christ Himself said, pay attention to the signs. He taught about the signs to watch for, and He taught His disciples, His followers, to pay attention to those signs. And so we've looked at a lot of the different signs throughout this series of messages, and I thought the best way to wrap this message up is to come in with something positive, that God knows who we are. He marks His people. But there's a, a caveat in there, and we're going to look at that in His Word. The signs have always been a part of our life, and He gives wisdom to discern that the time of Christ's return is drawing near. Now, it may not be in our lifetimes, but I'll tell you, folks, it's sure looking more like it's going to be. Now, I could be completely wrong, and I'll accept that, and I will certainly acknowledge it. And the, as, we as we observe the signs and we see the events unfolding, we must know that God promises to keep His people from His wrath. 
He promises that, okay? And I don't know how He's going to do it exactly. I don't know how He's done it exactly in the past, except we can look in His Word and He can show us what He did in the past. Last week we read in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, because you have kept my command to persevere. And that hour of trial, he says, will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. There's an hour of trial. Well, we don't know what that span of time is exactly. We don't know when it's going to start, I should say, exactly. We don't know when it is, but it's coming. And that hour of trial is going to be the most difficult time to ever come on this planet. Christ Himself said so. He said that after that time of trial, He'll return. And so we look at the Word of the Lord, we know that He promises to protect those who faithfully persevere. That was pretty much the gist of the message last week, and He will keep us from that hour of trial. Last week I also mentioned how God protected the Israelites from the angel of death in Egypt. Okay, He brought the wrath of God upon Egypt, but He protected His people. And we're going to look at that. We're going to actually read the passage that talks about that. And that's where we're going to start. But before we do, I want us to, to pray again. Heavenly Father, we're lost without You. We're wandering aimlessly like Your people were in the desert, in the wilderness. We need Your Word to guide us, Father. Help us to surrender to You to see clearly. You alone can't absolve our sin. Please instruct us with the truth of Your Word today. Please overwrite any deception and give us wisdom from above to override any earthly or sensual or demonic teachings. Teach us completely to learn from Your Word. Turn us to Yourself through Christ. And thank You for purifying us, Lord. I yield to You and I ask that You would help me to speak clearly and concisely Bless all who are within the sound of my voice now or any time after now, I pray in Christ's name and all of God's people said, amen. You can open your Bibles there in your seats if you like, and I know uh, Tony's going to put it up on the screen. Page 99 is where we're going to turn, page 99 if you want to open up your Bibles. And uh, this is the account, beginning on page 99, of... Uh, the Exodus, when it began. And we learn that God protected His people. He promised to send death upon anyone who was not under His protection. And what we see in His Word is that He kept His Word. He said He'd protect them, and He did. But He only protected those who obeyed Him. We're going to start with verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 13, and then we're going to pick up at verse 21 and read through 32. Now, this is the Word of the Lord. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. See, you set the calendar right there. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your count 
for the lamb. In other words, count your households and pick a lamb that's going to work for everybody. So there's enough for everyone. So they're going to eat this lamb. Now, your lamb shall be without blemish. In other words, it's going to be spotless. A male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, as long as it's a baby, as long as it's pure, as long as it's clean, as long as it's blameless or, or blemishless, I should say. Now, you shall keep it till the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. You know, I'm glad we don't have to kill animals anymore. Christ paid the price. He was the final sacrifice. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Doorposts are on the sides, lintels are on the top. And they were to put some blood on those three places. That was what they had to obey. They had to kill the lamb, they had to put the blood on the doorposts and on the lintels, okay? And then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, and shall eat it. Do you see the allusion there to communion? On the, the unleavened bread and the Lamb, the Lamb of God who was taken away the sins of the world. Do not eat it raw, nor boil it at all with water, but roast it in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. So shall you eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. It's kind of gruesome. I mean, think about it, it's gruesome. God is promising to kill people and animals, okay? God is saying this is going to happen. But if you want to be accepted, you want to be brought out of that, you want to be protected, do what I'm telling you. This is God's Word, okay? And there are people today who say we don't have to obey God's Word. They say because we're under the blood of the covenant of Christ, we don't have to obey Him anymore. And that's a lie straight out of hell. I'll tell you that right now. So then, uh, what was the next one I said that we were going to go to? Uh, 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Do you notice there's another command there to obey? Don't go out from under the blood. Don't leave that house. Do not leave the protection of the blood. And what's implied there is that they could. That they could come out from under that protective covering that God promised them. All right? He, he tells them right there, don't come out. And this reminds me of whenever Rahab was promised by the Israelites, I'll protect you. 
We will protect you and your family, but they've got to stay in. Don't come out, because if they come out, they're not going to be protected. That's what they told him, okay? And you think about the ark, Noah and the ark. They were in the ark. That was the ark of the covenant of God. Had they come out of that ark, do you think that they wouldn't have perished? Of course they would have. But there are those today who say, we can't come out, that there's no way out. That's what they say. We'll see. So anyway, he says, dip it in the blood, strike the lintel and the two doorposts. None of you shall go out the door, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And I've heard people tell me personally that they can take the mark of the beast because they're in Christ. They're under the blood of Christ that they can come out. They could come out and they would live anyway, that God would not destroy them. But that is not what His Word says. His Word is very clear. He never changes. Don't think for a moment that He changes. He's not changing the way that He operates. He says, stay in, stay under that protection, all right? You can't take the mark of the beast and expect that you're going to have salvation. It's not there. That's not the truth. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass that when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as He promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you will say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord. And there is where we celebrate the communion with the Lord. It's the Passover. He celebrated Passover with His disciples. He offered Himself as the body and the blood. He was going to be the sacrifice. He gave himself as the sacrifice. He passed over the houses of the children of Israel, excuse me, Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered your households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Notice worship is bowing, okay? Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Also, take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. This is the word of the Lord. Almighty God promised to keep his people from his wrath, and he did. He kept them. He protected them. He promised, though, His promise was conditional. And we lose sight of that when we have people who preach this unconditional remaining in Christ. We can do whatever we want, they say. 
And I have, this, this has just been burning in me ever since I heard a preacher in this area say, go out and sin it up and then tell your daddy you're sorry. Jump in his lap and he'll love you and forgive you. Willful, deliberate sinning, ongoing, willful and deliberate sinning puts you in a bad light no matter who you are. You may have said a prayer one day. You may have given your heart to the Lord. You may have been living for the Lord. Read the third chapter of Ezekiel. Read the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel. God chose to use blood from an unblemished lamb as the sign for the angel to pass over his people. And those who were under the blood were protected, but those who were not under the blood were not. They couldn't say, well, I'm an Israelite. No, that wouldn't have protected them. Their firstborn would have died. Those who were under the blood were obedient. They stayed, remained. They kept themselves obedient. And those who obeyed God kept themselves in the love of God and the protection of God. In the New Testament, Jude instructs Christ's followers to do the same. It's written there, keep yourselves in the love of God. If Jude is writing, keep yourselves in the love of God, do you think that there's a possibility that you could remove yourself from the love of God? He wouldn't have said it otherwise. And he goes on to say, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep yourself in the love of God. In Romans chapter 8, it's written, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Obedience. Obedience to God's Word keeps you in the protection of God. In Christ, there is no condemnation in Christ, just like in the house when Rahab and her family were kept in the house, just like in the ark. And I'm sure there are many other examples that have not come to my mind, but in the protection of God, you are protected. Outside of the protection of God, you are not. That's the Word of God, very clearly written. And there are those who would dismiss that, well, that's Old Testament, that doesn't apply to us, and they're lying. It does apply. All of God's Word applies to us. It is the shadow of Christ's coming. The past, what happened in the past, shows us what the future is and where we are at as His followers. There were also false prophets, it's written in 2 Peter chapter 2, among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. In other words, it's coming. Those who teach falsely, they are going to receive the punishment of the Lord. It doesn't matter who they say they are, or what they say they are, or what title they wear, they will be punished by God. It's coming. He says so. 
All right? For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterwards would live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Now, listen to what comes after that. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. Whose authority? God's authority. There's no authority except from God. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels, who are greater in power and might, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brutes, beasts made to be caught and destroyed speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions. Who sends that great deception? Anybody. Anybody who's been? God. God promises to send that great delusion. God promises to send that great delusion. He allows Satan to deceive even his own people, if at all it were possible. While they feast with you, they're carousing in their own deceptions. While they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by a whom, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. If you're overcome by sin, you're in bondage to Satan. You've been bought and paid for. You've been bought with a price. You do not belong to yourself anymore. You don't belong to Satan. You don't belong to sin. You belong to Almighty God through the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been redeemed. You've been bought and paid for. You're His possession, and He's marked you. But remember by whom a person is overcome. They're also brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. 
For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. He's quoting another passage of Old Testament Scripture there. Did I put it up there? I guess I didn't. That's uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. You see, when God's people obeyed God, He protected them. All through time, He has done that. Do you think for a moment that He won't do that now? Do you think somehow that you will fall into His wrath if He leaves you here, if you are here during that time that He foretells of being the worst tribulation ever to hit the earth? Do you think He won't protect you? He says He will. Now, He shows us with the, the, the work that He did there in Egypt that He protected His people, and the angel of death got the Egyptians who were not under the blood. He got the people who were not under the blood. Think about that. Their obedience revealed their love of God, and so does ours. And the Scripture makes that clear. If you love me, keep my commandments, our Lord said. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 3, it's written, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by Him. Known. That's an intimate knowing. God comes into us through His Spirit. That's an intimacy that we can't fully comprehend. In 1 John chapter 2, we hear this, now by this, we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His Word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we are in Him. He who says He abides in Him ought to Himself also walk just as He walked. In other words, He's speaking of Christ. This is how we know we're in Him. You see, in the Ark of the Covenant we are protected. Outside of the Ark of the Covenant, we are not. And there's no way to reconcile those two things. Just read what John, who was the beloved disciple, wrote. By this, by what? Whoever keeps His Word. By this, we know that we are in Him, if we keep His commandments. We know that we're in Him. If we're not keeping His commandments, if we're outside of Him, we are outside of His protection. His Word is true. It doesn't matter what somebody else says. His Word is true. Now, had His people disobeyed Him by not coming under and remaining under His protection, they would have endured His wrath. That is a fact. He makes that clear. Had they done things their own way, they would have suffered. There's no way around it. They would have suffered, and just like all the others that lost their firstborn. Can you imagine the wailing that was going through the land when every household, except those that had the blood on the lintels and the doorposts, lost their firstborn? Think of all the animals that died. Think of all the people that died. And the wailing was a great noise because every house lost someone, something. 
Had they not been under the blood of the Lamb, they too would have been unprotected. We can take a lesson from this because it is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food. Now hear this, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. What? They drank from Christ and God was not well pleased with them? That's what it says. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. 23,000 people died in one day. These were God's people. They drank from that spiritual rock, which is described as Christ. They were drinking of the Spirit of God, and they died because of their sin. That's what's written. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain, as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, as examples, as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Do you know any repetitious sin is considered idolatry? Anything you're doing repetitiously over and over and over, you say, well, I just can't help myself. Besides, I'm under the blood. I'm protected. I can do this. It's all right. I've heard those words myself. I have heard people tell me, you're wrong, pastor. I say, oh, I could be wrong, but God's Word isn't wrong. God's Word is true. He makes it clear. Don't think you have something that you don't have. Because when that temptation comes, you need to know that you cannot take that mark and have everlasting, eternal life in the paradise of God. It is not going to be there for you. And I want no one who ever hears my preaching to think somehow be confused into believing that they can take that mark. Because after all, pastor, somebody said to me one time, God knows my heart. No, you may not take that mark. You will not survive. You will not be under the blood of the covenant. His word is true. And listen to what's written in Deuteronomy chapter 4. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. There's more than one passage of Scripture that tells us He is a jealous God. Almighty God loves His people with a jealous love. 
He wants us to be sold out to Him, waiting for Christ's return. We are to be watching. We are to be waiting. And if nothing else comes out of this series of messages, I want all of you who hear these messages, even one of them, to be watching and waiting for Christ's return. If you're living your life as if He's going to appear at any moment, you're not going to be stepping into that temptation. He gives you the strength to overcome that temptation. He gives you what you need to say no to that. You are empowered by His Spirit to turn from everything that turns you from Him. In 2 Timothy, it's written in chapter 2, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ remain in iniquity. Is that what's written? What's it say? Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We're not given a license to sin. And it's written in Paul's writings to the Romans. He says, God forbid. No, we're not going on sinning. You once were. You used to be, but no longer. In Christ, you come out of that. You come out of the world. You come out of Egypt. You come into the promise. You come into the covenant. You are His. You are marked by Him. In the ninth chapter of Ezekiel's book of prophecy, we hear of a time when God revealed His mark upon those who love Him. Ezekiel chapter 9. Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. God? Wait, God is love. God's not a destroyer. Well, suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple, and he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. Do you hear the connection there? These people were upset with the abominations, just like righteous Lot was upset with the abominations that were going on there. To the others, he said, in my hearing, in other words, I heard him say, go after him through the city and kill. God said, go after him and kill. Do not let your eyes spare, nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children. Would God say slay a little child? He says it. Do not come near anyone on whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. Then he said to them, defile the temple, fill the courts with the slain, go out. And they went out and killed in the city. So it was that while they were killing them, 
I was left alone. This is Ezekiel. He says he was left alone. He fell on his face and he cried out and said, Oh, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and pouring out your fury on Jerusalem? And then he said, God said to Ezekiel, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of bloodshed, and the city full of perversity. For they say the Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. In other words, God's not watching. I'm, I'm, I'm protected. I'm covered. And as for me also, my eye will neither spare nor will I have pity, but I will recompense their deeds on their own head. And as I was preparing this, I thought, what are the wages of sin? Death. That's what God says. Just then, the man clothed with linen, who had the inkhorn at his side, reported back and said, I have done as you commanded me. God marked His people. At that time, in that place, and then God sent death upon everyone else. Now, in Ezekiel 9.4, we learn God put a mark on the foreheads of the men who were all grieved over the abominations His people were doing. Now, men, there is a plural. It could mean men and women. The others received His wrath, and the same will happen when the angel pours God's wrath upon the world before Christ comes. Angels are going to pour out the wrath of God. His Word says so. God placed His seal on the one we call Jesus, Yahashua. That's written in John chapter 6 and verse 27. Do I have that up there? Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says this, that God has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Are you His? Then you're marked, you're sealed, you're protected in Christ. In Him, it's written in Ephesians chapter 1, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom... Also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. And there are some who take that and they say, See, Pastor, I'm, 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 I'm sealed. I'm protected. I can do whatever I want. But it's written in Ephesians chapter 4, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. What's the... Punishment for grieving the Holy Spirit. It's punishment. We're not going to be protected. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit in just small ways at times, and then we get the chastisement of the Lord because we're His children. But don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit, as some of them did. And then it's written in Revelation chapter 7, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. You see, at that time, whenever the angels are going to pour out the wrath of God, God says, Not yet. 
Now, there is a, a, a passage of Scripture that talks about the 144,000, and some say that those are the, the lost tribes of Israel, or they're the Jews and all this. I'm not going to get into all that. God will mark His people. The fifth angel sounded, we read in Revelation chapter 9, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke rose out of the pit like the smoke of the great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. See, everybody else is going to be punished, just like the Israelites were punished, like the Hebrews were punished when they came out of uh, uh, Egypt, before they came out of Egypt. The Egyptians were punished, and anybody who wouldn't have been under the blood of the covenant would have been punished. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. There's this torment that's going to come upon the earth for five months. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. But you who are sealed, if you're here at that time, And there's an argument that says that we're not going to be here, but Christ Himself said after the tribulation of those days, then He comes to get His people, and He sends out angels to collect us, if we're alive, if He doesn't take us home before that. And I mean that through death. And as I wrap this up, I want you to remember that your heavenly Father will protect those who are in Christ, who are under the blood of the covenant. You're protected. You're His. You belong to Him. He has sealed you. He has marked you. How do we know that we're His? Anybody? Obedience. Obeying His commandments. That's what His Word says. We read that earlier. Christ is the Ark of the Covenant, and all who are in Him are protected. God marks those that He bought and paid for. And how did He buy and pay for us? With the blood of Christ. He bought and paid for us with the blood of Christ. In Revelation chapter 20, we hear this, And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the Word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or His image. Now, do you see that? That's not God's wrath, that there are going to be people that are killed, who be beheaded for their faith, for not taking that mark. They had not received His mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And there's another promise, a promise for those who love God. But His wrath is stored up and will be poured out upon those who love darkness. His Word is true. He says so. That's what He says. That's me delivering to you what His Word says. Almighty God wants you to remain patient. He wants you to remain faithful. That's what His Word says. Until the coming of the one we call Jesus. In James chapter 5, it's written, You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And that was written about 2,000 years ago. He's telling them to be patient. He's telling them the coming of the Lord is at hand. 
As we look out on the world, the world stage is changing. Artificial intelligence is taking over, okay? You may not be aware of this, but it is. And that's why we're having trouble with these electronic uh, mediums. It's obvious. It is obvious. And I've, I've done some research on this and probably look at it sometime in the future, but the artificial intelligence is what's going to be used to make sure that everybody cannot buy or sell without that mark, whatever that mark is. Whenever you go someplace and they say, you can't buy anything without that. You can't sell anything without that. You will not be able to do anything. You will not be able to exist. And when you resist that mark, somehow, some way, you're, if you're alive here, if God doesn't take you home before, we're going to take your head off. And you've got to be prepared to say, come Lord Jesus, one way or another. You've got to be prepared to not take that mark. And if somebody taught you that you're not going to be here and you are here, it's going to be very difficult for you to maintain your faith. And this is why I'm preaching as hard as I am on this subject, folks. Because I don't want anybody, anybody who's within the sound of my voice or gets to hear any of these recordings that do survive, I don't want anybody to be among those who take that mark. You're marked by God. But like the Israelites, like the Hebrews, I should say, who were in Egypt, you need to remain under the blood of the covenant. You must remain. Do not remove yourself. And how do you do that? His Word makes it clear. Obedience. Obedience to God. And His Word calls that holiness. It's holiness unto the Lord. Not holiness unto ourself, not holiness unto me, not holiness unto a building. It's holiness unto the Lord because He knows your heart. He's the searcher of all hearts. And if He reveals anything to you that's out of line with His Word, confess it to Him. Ask Him to take it away. Ask Him to protect you. Ask Him to keep you in His care, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. The things that He brings to my remembrance are these little tiny things, and you all might laugh if I told you what they were. But it comes down to obedience. Obedience. That's the key word. Obedience to Him. And you'll remain in His protection. I pray that all of you would hear that. In Christ's name, let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your Word. It is true. We are all lost without You. We are outside of the Ark of Your Covenant in sin. Keep us, Lord, out of sin. Deliver us from evil. Protect us, Father. We are Yours. We're marked by You. We are sealed by You unto the day of redemption. Let us not, with feigned words, pretend somehow that we can do something other than what Your Word tells us. I pray in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen.